This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Renegade Report. I'm Jonathan. Yes, and Ramon is here. And Jonathan, uh, that is like right out the gates there. Yes, I know it's an important issue. Um, I have Andile, whatever the fuck his name is. Right, he talks about lampshades and and Jewish soap, and apparently it's a satire on Helen's tweets, which is not really because it's completely different. Um, Do you think he should be punished for what he says? No. Oh, fuck, is that it? Can't you say yes? We can have an argument. Uh, yeah, I, I I know many people want him to be punished, and I know they – he has the problem, right? So so you, you have Penny Sparrow. She says something bad. We punish her. So then it's, then we get into this vicious cycle of, well, Penny Sparrow got punished for her speech, so now we must punish Andile. No, we should just get rid of punishing people for things they say. And now, now, now everyone knows what I've known for years about Andile. He's a rabid anti-Semite, right? Right. And, and I've known that for years. In fact, I blocked him many years ago on Twitter for that exact reason. So it's fine. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. Everyone knows exactly who and what he is. And now we move on with our lives. I don't know. That just sounds so reasonable for, for South Africa. I think we need, maybe punishment is necessary. <laughs> and 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 what should we do? What should we do to the guy? Because I think we should send him to Israel. Well, that treat, is, treat him not, to not, a, ban- not a banquet dinner, not as a punishment. So that no. that is an interesting that is an interesting theory. So so that's actually what we should be doing because he's come out with a bad idea. And what we should be doing is we should be saying to the guy, well, here we're going to try and show you why your idea and your thoughts are wrong. By giving you a different perspective. That, and, and if you can change someone like him to come around and say, you know, funny, I've been thinking about it. Uh, I was probably incorrect when I said those things and I see now that I was, I was mistaken. No, I think it's best to send him to jail to, to, so he can self, uh, flagellate and, uh, and ensure that his bad ideas are well, beaten he, the hell out no, of no, him. No, no, we should send him to jail where he will write a book about his struggle. Um, and then uh, the come out, and then he will come out. He could call it like Mein Kampf, perhaps. Um, and and he could then come <laughs> out and be even more anti-Semitic. You see, this is the thing: it doesn't work. It doesn't work when you try to suppress bad ideas. Suppression just makes fungus grow more. It's it, it it really does. And then people always use the example of the Rwandan genocide. Um, Top tip, the, the Rwandan genocide, the official sanctioned speech was one of genocide, right? When they said, uh, did, you know, take out the your weeds neighbors. with your yeah. blade, uh, you know, make sure they don't escape from the bush, things like that. I think it's the, it's one, uh, radio, uh, right. uh, um, broadcast that, that is always cited as the cause. Yes, as the cause. But if you look at the actual story of the time, and then if you look at this, at people who said, no, this is wrong, we should actually live together. What do you think happened to those people, Jonathan Wood? The, the people the, that the people that said no, we shouldn't hate each other or kill each other. We should just try work things out. What what do you think happened to them? Um, I don't know. I assume they worked things out. They perhaps. were imprisoned and, and killed. Oh, they were imprisoned. So the counter speech to hate speech was censored. Yeah, hate so, speech was the. So you the, took the moderate view and you put that in prison, or you killed it. You censored, literally. You censored the moderate speech. That's exactly what they did. Every dictator that comes to power censors media. Why? Because they censor the moderate 
speech. If you said, in, if you were in 1936 in, in Nazi Germany, you said, no, you know what, Jews are actually, are actually humans. Mm. You'd be sent to jail. So don't say hate that <clears throat> free speech doesn't work. You are actually showing free speech does work because the ones that were expressing their speech freely mm. were sent to jail. So take that as a history lesson. Awesome. Good. So now that we've dealt with Andile and, uh, and his trap, I don't know what, what else to call it. What's, um, what's a really ugly food in, in like Hebrew? Yeah. <laughs> no, Hebrew food is, uh, Israeli food is, 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 uh, Pretty awesome. So, okay. so I, I've got nothing for you. I've got, I've got absolutely nothing. But uh, should we should we get on to our guest for the week? Oh, that's a nod, by the way, uh, Ramon. It's it's a it's a podcast. People can't see you yet. When we go live, when we start competing with Crowder, then then, then they'll be able to see you. So uh, this week, our guest is Chadwick Moore. Uh, Chadwick's a former editor at large for Out and the Advocate. Uh, also a contributing writer to Playboy, the New York Times, the New York Post, uh, and basically used to write all kinds of stories there. Uh, he became quite well known, and we, we hope to discuss it with him, for a profile piece he did on Milo Yiannopoulos uh, in Art Magazine. Highly recommend you go read it because uh, he was lambasted and attacked following that, uh, which was, in our opinion, probably uh, very much undeserved. Uh, and uh, yeah, he joins us. Uh, he joins us this week. Hi, Chadwick. Are you there? I am here. Hello. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Uh, great to have you, uh, all the way from uh, the heartland of social justice warriors in the United States. Is that correct? Uh, yes, the uh, the asshole of social justice, <laughs> Williamsburg, Brooklyn. What is what would that make Berkeley then? The armpit. Oh God! I, 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 you know, <laughs> yeah. No, actually, now Berkeley might be the asshole. Actually, I, I mean, this is the armpit. Yes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, well, great to have you on the show. A uh, former sort of semi-Hillary supporter turned Trump supporter, uh, which I think is a is an interesting shift for for some of our listeners. And I think Chadwick is the first gay Nazi we've ever had on the show. I mean, well, I, everyone's a Nazi now. I mean, I just read some of your stuff on on the right. internet, so of course it's true. Uh, you're a Nazi was the first one, and a gay Nazi. So, how do you reconcile those two things in your in your mind, Chadwick? How, how do I reconcile my gayness and my Nazism? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. How, uh, how do that, you do that? That is, that is a very great question. Uh, oh God, I you know I suppose. Uh, if I'm just going to be honest, and, not, and, not, and obviously the Nazi thing is a joke, um, how do I reconcile it? it? It's waking up. It's 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 realizing that um, uh, that that the true slave owners are on the left. It's the Democrat Party. Like when you sort of wake up from that, when you leave liberalism, is when you uh, actually sort of like yourself a lot more, and you realize that everyone on the other side isn't a bunch of um, homophobic bigots, like we're told that they are. Right, and so, so it's actually quite easy. <laughs> right, and some are homophobic bigots, and that's fine as well, of course. That's fine with me. Yeah, absolutely. So talk well, about you know. Sorry, Chad, talk about your evolution a little bit, because I mean, you were 
a liberal in the American sense, or like a progressive, I think you admitted to voting for Hillary. I mean, which is a mortal sin in our eyes, but I mean, we, we allow for redemption. Yeah, when the death squads come, then, we, then you know. No, well, we allow for redemption <laughs> on this podcast. Um, so you voted for Hillary yeah. and then you had yeah. a change of heart quite suddenly. So explain, you know, the evolution of that thinking. Uh, so it was, um, I always say that, um, <clears throat> I was always left identified the way I sort of see it now. And a lot of people who have this experience of, of switching parties, especially under Trump. And a lot, a lot of people have switched under Trump is that nothing that I believe, uh, and nothing that I hold dear has really changed. It's that I realized I was just in the wrong party. You know what I mean? So it was like I, um, I, you know, I, I've always been. If, if like you were to, you know, go out with me, like you know, if I were like in a bar, I'd always have like conversations. I was, I've always been against identity politics. I've always been against being politically correct. Uh, I've always been against, um, um, uh, you know, free trade deals. I've always had like strict immigration ideas, but. Um, until the election of 2016, I was always allowed to sort of have those opinions and still sort of somewhat be on the left, you know, and, and, and be, a part of that is being gay, right? So like you're a gay person and you just are, you know, you're, if you're gay, then you are a Democrat. Yeah. You vote Democrat. You yeah. Do these so you're just, you're just on the plantation. And what I, what I realized <laughs> last year, like increasingly was, um, like, I hate the, I know I've always hated these people, right? I've always hated liberal hypocrisy. I've always seen the hypocrisy of the left. But the last, and I've always known the media, I've always known the media was left. I didn't know how much they lied until recent years. And um, I suppose the last lie that I believed from the left and from the media is that the right is worse, right? Like, you don't have a choice. I always felt that, like, you... You know, yeah, the Democrats may suck, the left may suck, but they're much better than these guys over here. They're much better than these racist, homophobic, you know, religious zealots on the, on the other side. So you don't have a choice. And what I learned very rapidly last year was um, that's the, the biggest falsehood that they push. Um, it's actually much nicer on the right. It's much more accepting on the right and much more fun. You just you live a happier life when you get rid of all of this ideology the left pushes on you. Yeah, I, I think there's a there's less. I mean, I'm not a right wing or left wing. I think you know the nation state should implode and, and disappear from the face of the earth. But to me, it appears that the right is sort of fine with freedom of speech. There's no need to conform. You can have debates within the right about certain things, even drastically different between free trade and protectionism. I mean, two things that don't even, uh, you know, have, are not even on the, on the same spectrum. They're just extremely binary and people are quite willing to have that conversation. On the left, it's, if you're for protectionism, you are all these other insults or pejoratives. You are, you know, Islamophobic or you are anti-immigrant or you hate Mexicans and you're racist. Um, when you're just talking about trade. On the right, it doesn't seem to be that way. <laughs> absolutely, you're absolutely right, and 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 there's um, they have no arguments in this country. I don't know what it's like in South Africa per se, but in this country, um, they have no arguments. They are imploding. They they've completely lost their identity, 
And um, the only thing that anyone's ever said to me, and they continue to say to me to this day, and this this goes from, um, you know, I, I'm like, I'm highly political on social media. And I, you know, I, I talk a lot of shit, whatever, about politics, about the left. And the only thing that people can say to me still to this day, uh, and this goes for like people I once knew, close friends, on to just strangers on the internet, is um, you're only doing this for attention. And um, all they can do is attack your character. I've never heard like reasoned arguments against uh, conservative principles and policies from the left. Uh, it's 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 sort of mind blowing, and they don't really have an identity anymore. They 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 they've eaten themselves. And actually, the the only identity they do have is this sort of they they've gone full communist. Uh, they've gone like beyond Bernie Sanders. Which is how we see like Antifa, all this other shit, Black Lives Matter, whatever. And the establishment Democrats, the establishment politic uh, of the left really have no voice anymore. They've been usurped by actually like straight up far right communists, uh, far left, sorry, far left communists. And it's sort of amazing to watch. It'll be interesting to see what happens to that. Um, yeah. I think that's going to be the party identity. I think it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, would, but you were saying you, yes. You're, you're saying you're against nation states. You don't, you don't like borders. Well, I, I think I think governments are illegitimate. In, in fairness, that's him. Uh, so so we're we're just <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's the an, he's yeah, the yeah. anarchist. Uh, I'm I'm more classically liberal. So I, I see a, uh, I do see a purpose to to states and and uh, to an extent, and also to to governments to an extent. Uh, limited, of course, very limited. Okay. Uh, but uh, but yeah, but as as Ramon was saying, that's the whole point. We we host a podcast together, which is seen to be more to the right. Um, we have differing views on these things, but every week we, we don't clobber each other over the heads, uh, with, with bark locks, uh, because, because we disagree with each other on, on those, on those types of things. Uh, well, I'm civilized not, of you. Not, not yet, at least. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Chadwick, let, let's start with, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos. I mean, I think he's the, the god of, of the right wing gaze, um, so to speak. And uh, not, not in, in terms of his thinking, but because he was the, one of the few to come out at the time and be like, I'm gay and I love Donald Trump and yeah. I don't like immigration and which was a bit of a weird thing for a lot of people. <clears throat> so you wrote this um, piece about him. You interviewed him for Out Magazine, of which you were editor-in-chief at the time. Um, so the thing about your piece, and I read it two or three times in preparation for this podcast, it, you don't actually take a view of the man you just explain right. what he says to you. So you yeah. were you were negative, you weren't positive. Like, this is who he is. Uh, this is our interview, and uh, yeah, there we go. Let's publish, and you publish. And then what happens? Uh, uh, yeah. So I I published. Um, I you know I was expecting. I knew that it would be uh controversial because he's a controversial person, and um. What I did not expect was that uh, I would be the target of 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 the outrage, you know, and not the subject. Because I, I when I met him, I mean, I, I covered him the way I would anyone uh, in any subject. I covered and 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 thank you for saying what you did because I agree with you that that how I how I wrote about him was just basically completely fair. 
And in fact, I was pressured by my editors to make it a little more damning than I thought was necessary. I was a little pressured to put in more uh, voices that shouldn't have been there. But so there's, if you read the article, there's far more anti-Milo voices than pro-Milo voices uh, in, in the story. And and even then, I was like, you know, I just, yeah, I wasn't even like a, you know, like huge fan. But I realized that he was um, extremely important. And and at the time, I was like, this is the most interesting person in American culture, hands down, because I saw what he was doing, uh, and the election was, you know, top of the news. Um, and what happened when the story got published was, I, you know, I woke up that morning and I looked at my phone. At the time, I had like maybe like two hundred followers on Twitter, right? I was never on there, and for some reason, I looked at my phone and I had like a hundred notifications on Twitter. And I was like, oh, I guess the Milo story ran, and. Um, <laughs> And I thought it was just going to be comments, whatever. And instead, it was uh, death threats. It was uh, being called a Nazi. Is the first time I ever been called a Nazi in my life. Was writing that story, um, and they were flowing in, and and the the, the media was catching on it, especially the gay media was coming after me. They were saying that like the story was dangerous, and how dare you give this person a platform, and all the things they still say today, right? Yeah, and. Uh, so the, 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 um, <clears throat> that was, that was a, that moment. I mean, at the time I'd been, um, I, I, so I was a Bernie supporter during the, the primaries and, um, now I see the fallacy in that, but I also see the good in that. And, 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 and actually a lot of Bernie supporters have come over to Trump now. I think all of them should, to be honest. Um, I've always hated Hillary Clinton. And so at the time I was, um, I was, um, you know, very like the the climate in this country was so um, there's so much vitriol and anger, uh, and when that story ran, um, I I mean I was already I was I was already on the outs with the left, but I but I still wasn't at the point where I was a Trump supporter. I wasn't at the point where I realized it was possible to be a conservative. Well, getting called a Nazi uh, first thing in the morning will, will potentially make you reconsider things. Nazi before coffee. Being called a Nazi before coffee. I mean, can you imagine? What, what's your record? <laughs> what's, what's, what's your record, though? My record at half past four in the morning. I get up quite early. Half past four in the morning, I was called a racist once. I'm like, that has to be a new record. That's really good. That's yeah. really good. I, you know, I... I, I <laughs> I was probably still up at half past four the last time I was called a racist. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> but that experience was actually it, that experience was was um, it was sort of my first time seeing firsthand, experiencing firsthand, and and seeing um, how they are on the left, seeing this sort of lockstep, bubble-minded, hive-mind mentality that they that they have, and being like thrust outside of that. And, and sort of looking in and I was watching all these people talk about me, people I know, like friends, you know, watching them talk about me on social media and have discussions about me in long threads. And I was just like, this is, this is so, it was bizarre. I mean, I wasn't like hurt or offended. I was more fascinated. Uh, and then after that, um, I mean, even then I still wasn't like, still being right winged seemed like an impossibility. Um, but after that, I mean, it just didn't end with that article. You know, that trolling happened for a while, about a week. But then after that, like my my closest friends, my best friends in the world, 
just stopped coming around. And I was even like, are you, are you not, you know, people like uh, this guy who, you know, we'd hang out three or four days a week. And when we weren't hanging out, we'd talk on the phone every night. And suddenly he was perpetually unavailable. And I was like, you know, what's up? Why haven't I seen you in two weeks? Oh, I'm just very, I'm just busy. And I'm like, does this have anything to do with the Milo story? No, no, not at all. I thought you did a really good job. No, it was fine. I was like, okay, all right, whatever. <laughs> and that, <laughs> and that began to happen like increasingly, um, which gets to actually, I voted for Hillary. That kind of leads into it. And, and, and I, I fucking hate Hillary Clinton. I always have fucking hated Hillary Clinton. Um, but on election day, I went to the polls and my whole plan was to write in RuPaul, drag queen. <laughs> and actually when I, when I told my mother is like, my mother's a Southern Democrat. She's a dying breed as well. Um, and, and she was all freaked out about the election and she was like, who, and she knew I hated Hillary. This is before the Milo story. And she's like, well, and I'm like, I can't vote for that woman. I cannot vote for that woman. And she's like, well, who are you going to vote for? Who are you going to vote for, Chad? I said, I'm gonna, I said, I'm, and I was like, I'm going to write in RuPaul. And she goes, Ron Paul, the libertarian. <laughs> but so anyway, my whole plan was to write in RuPaul. It's a protest vote. And I live in social justice armpit of America. I live in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Doesn't matter who I vote for. Um, yeah, Hillary the Democrat is going to win. The, yeah, the Democrat. It's, it's, you know, there's four people who didn't vote for Hillary or, or didn't vote for Hillary in, in my district. Right. So it doesn't matter who I voted for. Uh, so I, I got to the polling place. I, I swear to God, I stood there longer than anyone else. And, and I was like, I was, and I was thinking my, it, it was a fear vote. My vote for Hillary was a fear vote. And the, and the first fear was, okay, all my friends had not yet completely abandoned me. They think I'm like, they think I'm sort of a Nazi, but they're not sure just mm. because I gave Milo a fair platform. So I was like, all right, in the, in, in, in the, in the extremely unlikely, extremely unlikely situation, that Donald Trump wins, which he never will. But in the extremely unlikely situation that he does, my friends are probably going to lose their fucking minds and I, and, and they're probably going to come for me. So I have to be able to honestly say, Hey, I voted for Hillary. Don't. Yeah. Leave me alone. Not my fault. Leave me alone. That was the reason number one. And number two, at the time I was like, well, Trump's not experienced. Hillary's the devil that I know. And it was just like, I, I, I plugged my nose. I closed my eyes. I ticked her box. And then I, Felt so. Oh, that's the first time in a long time someone's ticked to a box. Uh, except for Huma. (laughs) (laughs) True story. And then you went to a spa for the rest of the day to just cleanse yourself. And and then, well, then I had an election night party in my apartment with the. Did anyone come? (laughs) Twelve people. I was so surprised that that twelve lefties came. Uh, Actually, my one of my one of my best friends, Shane, who's a, a British guy who lives in London. He came here just for the election because the American election is his favorite holiday. And he is, <laughs> and he is a, it's so funny. This guy um, is a, he introduced me to Ayn Rand and he voted Brexit. And uh, when I was in London in August, actually, I was in, I spent the entire month of August in London uh, doing the Milo story and I stayed with him. And um, he was telling me about, about the, uh, the hatred he got when it, when, when Brexit passed and people found out that he voted Brexit and he was telling me how much it hurt. Like that he would show up to places, to parties and people would say, I can't be in the same room with you and leave. And, um, so he was here from London. I had a bunch of people here 
that person, the reason why I bring him up is that person since has, um, this has completely abandoned me really? and called me the most horrible names. He's, he said now he, he texted me like, I'm now part of the hashtag resistance. <laughs> and he's gone like, he's gone from like the, the only gay conservative I ever knew. And I always, even when I was a lefty, I still respected him. Yeah. And, and I was like, uh, yeah, the, and, and when I was left, I was like, um, you know, Oh, his politics are crazy, but you know, I love him and he's smart and I enjoy it, whatever. And now, which, which and ironically now made you part of the right back then, because you were able to separate people's right. uh, opinions from from who they were. You know, they didn't one opinion. Their political views didn't right. necessarily define them as human beings. Which is why I was never truly left wing. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Just left identified. <laughs> sure. Uh, so so I had this uh, so I had this election night party, and when it became clear that and everyone who showed up. And they're like, did you vote? And I'm like, yeah, I voted for Hillary. They were all like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did. And I was like, well, well, well what? I've, I've never said anything political on social media. I've never like, why do you think that I would have voted for Trump? But anyway, when it, be, when it became apparent that um, Donald Trump was going to win, oh, it was glorious. It was like last night on Earth. I had a friend just <laughs> storm out and then return five minutes later with a full bottle of whiskey, start chugging it. People got so – people were crying People got so drunk. There were people fucking in in my office and in my bedroom, like strangers. Like they could not deal. It was it was it was Sodom and Gomorrah. It was fantastic. <laughs> Tell me, Chadwick, you know how, why is it that America and the world, I suppose, but that's in almost in following. Why is it that everyone's become so political? You, Americans never used to define themselves like this. Uh, you know, there was an election every couple of years. People got into it. You know, I think when there were certain figures elected, people like Reagan, uh, that was, you know, a big thing or, or Kennedy, that was a big thing. Um, but, but, but it was the election happened. People then, whoever won, won. The side that lost was disappointed, but they got over it and, you know, it, there was an understanding that whoever wins is your president, you know, so not hashtag he's not my president, but it's your president. And, and people moved on with it. Why, why do Americans define themselves so much by their politics these days? There's so much else that defines the United States, uh, within the country and to the rest of the world. Uh, what, what is it that, that, that's happened? Uh, well, firstly, uh, we have something to care about. We have, uh, we have we have a true and 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 all this politic, uh, politicization of of that we're experiencing in this country. I don't think it's a bad thing. So many people are are are, are you know really lamenting it. Um, I think it's fantastic. We are having an people in this country are energized and charged, and we finally have something to actually care about. We have a candidate or we have a president now who actually means so much for so long and. For so long, the people in this country have been told by the media, have been told by everyone that they don't care and they're stupid, right? They've always like – you know, you always get these statistics like, oh, only 40 percent of eligible voters vote. Americans don't care. Americans are stupid. Americans are this. That was never true in my opinion. What was true is people who didn't vote was a protest because our our, our system was so – Democrats are the same as Republicans. Everyone's the exact same. It doesn't matter. Um, now we have a true wrecking ball. We have a true challenge to the establishment. And the establishment is not just the establishment in Washington. It's 
it's it's bigger than that. Washington is a, is the tiniest thing we're worried about. It's the culture. It's especially the media. Donald Trump, every time he tweets, he all he has to do is have a typo in a tweet, and the media will lose their minds, and it's fantastic. Uh, but also to, to your point, um, this is still nothing new. When uh, whenever a Republican, at least in my lifetime, I'm 34. So what I I mean, you know, basically Bush Gore is what I remember most uh, election wise because I was in high school at the time. And um, when George Bush was elected, 9/11 happened in my freshman year of college. So that set a course for. I became like I was a I was a social justice I was a, a self defined socialist on campus I was marching against Bush I was marching against the Iraq War and at the time I remember firstly the first thing the media did was exactly what they did to Trump the first thing they did was was try to delegitimize the election and this time with Trump it was Russia which we all know is bullshit yeah it's a lie it's yeah. it's fake news. Uh, with with um with with George W. Bush, who I don't like, but what they did with him was um it was the Supreme Court. It was the the American people did not decide this election. It was the Supreme Court. They immediately tried to delegitimize him the way they do Trump. And the second thing was Nazi. It was all Nazi, racist, the exact same shit that we have with Trump. It's it's word for word. I think now it's just more intense because now we actually have social media and people are more. It gets amplified. In. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it's amplified, right? Exactly. Yeah. The, the problem with the, the media's view of the Republican candidates, I mean, they made Mitt Romney seem like the most racist person in history, and the most misogynistic. Mitt Romney is a what is he? a Mormon, I think. Yeah, okay? a yeah, Mormon, pro- probably yeah, yeah. the nicest person in the Republican Party. Yeah, in terms of just his his, yeah. his, his demeanor, his demeanor, yeah. his behavior, he treats everyone well. I mean, I don't care much about Mitt Romney to be honest, but he was right. by all accounts a very very decent guy. And then he says, you know, I have binders full of women at my office, and he's talking about he's got CVs full of female candidates yeah. and then people say yeah. oh and then the media took this phrase and just destroyed him and then yeah. even at that time that was what 2008 yeah they also the accused him of animal yeah. abuse so you you know about that part yes he put his dog on top of his car like in 1981 yeah yeah it, it's, it's the most ridiculous so they, they made it right. as if he was some sort of torture so, of, of so, animals. so they make they make each republican candidate the devil and then the devil actually does arrive in, the, in Donald in, in Donald Trump, and then Trump doesn't give a fuck at all. Says, yes, I'm the devil. Fuck you. Fake news. Yeah. Next, build the wall, bitch. Like, cool. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's what happens. And and and, and look, yeah. the identity politics have are, have been a long time coming. Because it's funny you mentioned that about Bush. I remember at the time he was being called a racist, and uh, he had uh, Condi Rice was around. Uh, who he appointed into his cabinet. Um, and, yeah. and, yep. um, oh, I forget the other guy's name. Uh, and ba- basically, uh, Colin it, Powell. yes, Colin, Colin Powell. Powell. Um, you, you know, the, the reality is, is it's the same thing we have now. So Ben Carson, for example, is a Nazi. He's a self-hating black man, uh, because, yeah. uh, you know, he works in the Trump administration and Trump's a racist. Therefore, Ben Carson must also somehow be a racist. Um, Right. And this, it's interesting that you mention it now because now I'm thinking back and I'm remembering the same things were said of Condi Rice and Colin Powell uh, and anyone who associated themselves with Bush. Um, and it's interesting because Bush w- was 
not the perfect president, but I remember watching CNN when he left office and they were saying things like, you know, he's going to go down as possibly one of the worst presidents in history. Uh, he's done an insurmountable amount of damage to the reputation of the United States, etc. And the further we get away from the Bush era, the better I think he looks in many respects. Well, now they've come out um, and they love him. Because he, he was a Hillary supporter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. It's he, Mitt Romney, all of them, they were all Hillary supporters. Uh, that tells you everything you need to know. And now, and yeah, suddenly now he's, uh, he's been vindicated by the left as like, uh, maybe, maybe he's, maybe he's still slightly Nazi, but not as Nazi as the current, you know, president who, uh, especially as a gay person who, I mean, like they, he, Donald Trump, Donald Trump has been saying the exact same things politically since the eighties. You can look up interviews with him. He's saying the same things about immigration. He's saying the same things about trade. Uh, uh, and, um, like in the year 2000, he came out and he was like, did an interview with the advocate, which I used to work for. They fired me when I came out conservative. Uh, and he did an interview with the advocate and was like, um, came out in support of gay marriage and all this other shit. He's the only president in the history of the country to assume office in support of gay marriage openly in support of gay rights. Uh, and yet, and, and the gays are just a small faction. You have the gays that are just like losing their minds. He's going to put us, you know, he's going to put us in the concentration camps or whatever. Well, I mean like we can't even get the goddamn wall built. So the camps are definitely not happening until the second term. No, but the, Hopefully the best thing but, was as soon, as soon as he took office, the white house.gov website went down and they removed all the, I don't know, it's reset for each new president, right? And the media jumped onto this thing that there's all the LGBT articles of the White House were, have been removed. So all rights are gone. Yeah. All, all the rights <laughs> of gays are gone all of a sudden. And it ran for two days. And then someone from the White House, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. then, the, then the White House says, no, dickwads, we just reset the, the fucking website. So it happens yeah. every time there's a new president. And then no exactly. one, and then no one fucking apologizes. No one says, oh shit, we were wrong. Sorry. Of course not. Of course not. And this is how you know. That, I mean, and it's the media. The me- and he is right. He and C. Bannon are right that the the media is the opposition party. That is what we're fighting against. And I used to be a part of the media. I used to write for the goddamn New York Times. I used to write all this, you know. Uh, and and I always knew they were um, left leaning. Uh, it wasn't until honestly the the first experience I had where I realized how much they outright lie is when I was sent by the advocate. Uh, to go to um, Moscow in 20, I think it was 2013, it was 2013 uh, after um, uh, Putin had passed the so-called anti-gay propaganda law. And uh, it was right before the Soki Olympics. So I went to Moscow and that was the first time that I realized that like everything I was reading in the press was an absolute lie. Nothing was true about what they're saying about gay people in Russia, what they're saying about gay rights in Russia. It was a flat out lie. And the second big revelation that I had with that. But still, you're sort of like, okay, well, they're lying, but they just want some well, sexual Do you want to go sec- but into the lies before you go into the second part? I'm, I'm interested to hear uh, about that. About Russia? Yeah, yeah, specifically. Yeah, well, it was just, you know, it was, it was, um, it was at the time, the press, the, the media was essentially uh, saying, uh, the, the narrative was that, you know, it, this, this is the second Holocaust, that gays are getting ready to be put on trains to concentration camps. That uh, um, 
uh, you'd see the same images flashed over and over again in all the media of like, uh, you know, like a young guy with a bloody face. There's like one picture that they're all posting with like a rainbow flag behind him and like some guys sitting around him, whatever. When I got there, I had all of these gay rights activists, the people who were a, a part of those demonstrations that were being photographed, telling me, um, yeah, there are no, we don't have any gay Russians in our groups. They're, those photographs you see of people getting beat up, they're, they're not gay people. And basically, just as many, like, gay, you know, gay rights protesters being assaulted, the exact same number are being assaulted on the other side. And these are, like, far social justice left people who are telling this to me. And um, they're like, you know, basically everyone who's out in the streets protesting for gay rights are either um, – they're number one, they're all straight. And if they're not straight, they're 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 gay, but they're from the West. They're here studying or something. Yeah. And uh, and if not, if if there are any gay Russians in any of our groups, they're gay Russians who've spent a lot of time in the West. They're sort of Westernized gay Russians. Your average gay Russian is just sort of trying to live their life in his early minds. Um, I mean, that's just one example of, of many things. Is, Go ahead. Is this the is this the problem? with the media is that there is a story. So Putin does not like gay people. He would like to make their lives a little bit more difficult. It's not easy being a gay person, perhaps in Russia, which is uh, quite a religiously conservative country. Um, but instead of them just running with that story, they have to push it to the most uh, distant extreme. So we can't just say, look, life is tough for, for gay people in Russia. We have to go. Life is literally the Holocaust for gay people in Russia. Context is the media's greatest enemy. They hate it. And I think this goes beyond um, just trying to, you know, amp something up for sensationalism, for clicks, reviews, or whatever. Um, That was the biggest thing I learned in Russia is that you you suddenly had people who'd never been there. I think I was only one of – it was me and a guy from GQ were the only two Western journalists before the Soki Olympics to be on the ground in Russia actually talking to gay people and you have these people who know nothing but they're just hired to ramp it up and and, um i hate that and that and i've never been like that i've always been i've always thought that truth and context was far more interesting and things i've wanted to know about and and so the the, but even then i was sort of like okay whatever this is the thing they're spinning uh i even said after the soki olympics you'll never hear about gay russia ever again and i was right you know, before that, it was six months of like the gays in Russia, the gays in Russia, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, after the games, you'll never hear about gays in Russia ever again. I was totally right. <laughs> and uh, so when I met when I met Milo, it was very much the same thing. <clears throat> uh, that everything I'd been reading about him and everything I thought I knew about him, when I was I was assigned to profile him, and I was just sort of like, okay. Um, you know, he's just some clown. He's just like some, like, you know, he's just some sort of flamboyant attention whore. He doesn't really have anything to say or contribute. He's just whatever. I didn't think he was, but, but, uh, you know, I'm like, it, it's a fun assignment. Um, whatever. I like weird people. Within 90 seconds of meeting him, I was like, holy shit, this guy is number one, extremely intelligent, uh, extremely charismatic, and, uh, and, and, um, probably the most interesting person in culture at the moment. And this was in uh, August of the last year before the election. And that was another realization because I really thought that I'd done my homework before I met him. 
And then I realized that, well, if your homework is just reading what the New York Times says about him or even BuzzFeed or whatever, uh, it's all lies. It's, it's, it's flat out lies. And it's so funny that I remember like watching the, the right has always been railing against the media. I remember like Sarah Palin always sort of calling it like the lamestream media. And, and on the left, we would just sort of laugh at that and be like, oh, well, they're, the only reason why the right attacks the media is because, um, you know, everyone in the media is like sort of, you know, they're, do, they're, you know, they might be left leaning, but they are doing their best. And the right has no recourse but to attack the media simply because the right's message, uh, is bad. And they are maybe slightly hateful. They are maybe this. I remember believing this. And now that I'm on the other side, I'm like, holy shit, I get it 100%. They are liars. And that's why Trump goes full, full force against the media. They are liars. And look, I was fired. I was I was fired from my job when I came out as a conservative. And And even when I came out as a conservative, I didn't even really come out as a Trump supporter. I just said, the left is not good. The left is very bad for journalism. The left is very bad for speech. Um, and I got fired for that, for saying these very simple things. Uh, so when Trump attacks the media, fantastic. And, and I totally get it now. I totally understand why right-wingers hate the media so much. So who do you write for now? As a journalist, because I mean, I assume that most of your your old uh, contacts no longer speak to you because you've been purged. Um, so right. where do we find yeah. your stuff now? Uh, now I am working on. I, I'm done with uh, with journalism because with with the sort of care. I don't want to be a part of it. Uh, I am doing some freelancing a little bit for right wing sites. Um, but I'm working on some long form. I'm working, I'm writing a book right now and I'm doing speeches, uh, which is great. Um, I don't want anything to do with the media anymore with, with that kind of journalism. Cause I, you know, but, it's ugly. But yeah, actually, yeah, this is a question I actually wanted to ask a, a journalist such as, well, ex journalist, I suppose. Why is it in, in the U S at least, it appears that alternative media as in podcast, as in uh, radio, as in online YouTube, seems to be fairly right wing, but TV and newspapers and you know mainstream media, for the lack right. of a better word, seems to be fairly left wing in that regard. Is there any reason for that? Like especially like on the radio, Rush Lombard gets who knows how many millions of people, but right. but on 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 TV, Fox does very very well, but there's five other channels competing against Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, I mean, a lot of, a lot of Trumpers don't like Fox. <laughs> they, they, they're actually, and well, Fox is kind of moving in, in, in some kind of a direction. Uh, you're very right to point that out, and it's very true. Um, so, so sort of AM radio, or, uh, yeah, AM radio has been the bastion of right wingers for a very long time because they have no space. The media is, is, is solidly left wing, solidly globalist. And any conservative voices who get on that are sort of like these cucks, you know, basically Hillary Clinton, the, 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 the Hillary Clinton with an R in front of her name and, uh, which she basically did the same thing. Um, so the internet, uh, that's why like, she was so right wing and now they're cracking down on conservative voices. As you, you've probably heard, like they're demonetizing people 
Yeah, left and right. A lot of the people um, we actually watch only right, but left and right. Willy nilly, I should have said. Yeah, yeah, they're not monetizing the left. They're, they're willy nilly demonetizing anyone with the conservative view, um, because because right wingers have no other option. And the and 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 Twitter does the same. Twitter, you know, constantly uh, you know shadow bans people. They they leave people off. But this is show that that the true um, the tr- the actual resistance, the true voice of the people. Is, is right wing because they have to take to these like only have each other because the corporations don't want us. They don't want to hear us. Um, it's so funny. Look at YouTube. I don't know if you guys know who Diamond and, and Silk are. Do you know them? The two black ladies who are like hardcore Trump supporters. Yeah, they're great. These, these are two of the funniest. They're so funny. They just got demonetized by YouTube. They probably never said an offensive thing in their life on their channel, you know? And these are two uh, black female entrepreneurs who have fairly mainstream views the only thing i mean they just chomp 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 they don't say anything controversial except that they love trump and they just stand up for him they just got demonetized that might be the the beginning of the end of the of the of the sort of censorious culture of silicon valley is is these two because how could you possibly demonetize demonetize these two people yeah so we all saw you know a couple weeks ago the um the, that whole Google memo with uh, James Samor, um, he him being fired for basically writing uh, a scientific paper, sort of challenging the diversity thugs and the diversity policies, and it, you know it appears that that in order to do business in Silicon Valley, um, you really have to it, it's like doing business with the mob, and the mob is the social justice. Uh, warriors, the social justice industry, that, that there is a sort of shakedown. I truly don't believe that these companies really have any interest. I don't think that they're politically motivated per se. I think that that they are um, they're businesses. They want to make money. Um, obviously, conservatives are a huge um, a huge market for for YouTube, for Silicon Valley, for Twitter, for for these companies. Uh, but for some reason, they've been they're basically they're operating social justice land. They have to appease the social justice thugs who who kind of give them you know a shakedown, and I think and then they just do these censorious tactics. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Actually, maybe they are just sort of conspiring for well, globalism. Well, the, the, more Im- the more important question from our perspective is what's next because. Google will win. They own the internet essentially. Uh, uh, certainly in in terms of those, those platforms. So you've got Google, Twitter, Facebook. Um, they're all going to start cracking down on, on content they don't like, which doesn't fit a political view that they're pushing. Um, the, the, obviously YouTube is, is a Google product. So. Uh, that's that's also we've already seen as you mentioned the clamp down on that. Uh, what uh, what do you think the future is? Uh, is uh, is there going to be a right wing platform developed? I've already seen something like Gab, which uh, is unable to host its uh, its app on the App Store or on the Android Store because they've been called a hate group or something huh. to that effect, and it, it's literally. Just a platform in a very similar nature to Twitter, uh, which doesn't have rules. They, they basically say, look, you can say whatever you want. We're a free speech platform. So unlike Twitter, we're not going to ban you for saying things we don't like. Um, the, to me, that's, that's not a, that's, that's not a hate group. So, um, 
what do you what do you where do you think we go? Because because as you mentioned, there were sixty three million people that voted for Trump, uh, sixty odd sixty five million or, or so that voted for Hillary. Uh, they love to remind everyone of the popular vote, um, which Trump lost. Uh, but. So that's a large yes. group of that's a large group but you're of not people. Counting, you're not counting the illegals who voted, but go on. <laughs> so, so let's assume let's assume it was all above board and, and everyone who voted should have voted. But the because for some reason asking people for an identity document to vote is 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 is, is a crime. Uh, but 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 uh, where where next? Because you're correct. It is at least half the country that these groups are isolating, do they just assume that people will stop thinking the way they do if they um, can stop them from seeing, inverted commas, bad content? Um, I think uh, every, everything you bring up is, is absolutely true. And what I, what, what I predict is that um, we're, we're seeing th- – these are the death throes of the far left of social justice. Uh, I don't think we're quite out of it yet. I think we have a couple more years of this. Um, but they've lost their minds so much. They are alienating so many people. Uh, I, I think that, that um, it's not going to continue this way. I really think that we're going to have um, – they're going to calm down. They're going to lose their platform. They're going to lose their microphone. And people are just going to sort of learn to coexist again. You know, especially by Trump's second term, I think that um, I think everything's going to calm down. And then at that point, I think um, the, the tech companies, the communication companies uh, will also calm down and there will be more of a free speech uh, motivation. Um, it's 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 interesting that, you know, I, I, I think that that when it, when it comes to Google and Facebook and Twitter and these and these tech companies, regulating free speech uh and and censoring people it does sort of uh present a moral uh quandary i think for conservatives because you know we we sort of fundamentally believe that companies should be able to operate however they choose and you know even even when i was on the left I, during the uh, the whole like you know gay wedding cake shit that was happening here I was still like, yeah, those 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 bakers should not be forced to make a wedding cake for a gay wedding. Like, they should be able to run their business any way they want. Uh, but the difference, I believe, is, and now you, now you actually have conservatives openly saying that Google and Facebook and these tech companies should be regulated like utilities, which is sort of a pretty not conservative yeah, standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's that's more government, that's more regulation. But but their frustration is true, and um, I I think. I think what it comes down to is um, it's 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 these companies. I, I think most people who work these companies are idiotic when it comes to gauging this country. They might be like you know autistic and know how to program, but they're fucking morons when it comes to everything else. And I think it's it, it's 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 just it's 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 learning how to uh, pressuring these people to make to make sure that that's just bad business to censor. Uh, one part of the political spectrum, or any part, it, the, the censorship is bad business. Um, well, and maybe they'll get it. I don't know. I think there's two distinct uh, points here. Uh, number one, they are private companies and should be able to do whatever they wish. And I think we all agree right. on that. Number two is what do they mean by offense? Uh, well, I mean, what is offensive to them? 
they, they never right. really say so because you got uh, people like um, Professor Gad Sad, who's a, a Lebanese Jewish guy from Montreal. Whenever he describes or says the word Islam in a video of his on YouTube, it's demonetized. Um, but ISIS videos are still on there. I don't know if they're demonetized or not, but it's not clear what they mean. And they're not very <clears throat> forthcoming with their definitions of offensive. So that, I think that's the problem. The problem is not that they are censoring. The problem is they are not being consistent in their censoring. Well, of course, but that's just a problem with censorship in general. It's because, you know, who gets to decide what's hateful? And as soon as you give someone that power, where does it go from there? You know, as soon as you start regulating any speech, then all speech is up. And that is such a dangerous slope. I mean, look at Europe. People go to fucking jail in the United Kingdom for criticizing Islam. Yeah, well, listen, you're, you're speaking to South Africans. So we have hate speech laws here. Uh, I, I can tell you if the United States does one thing right, it's to not follow that path because we've right. got this exact problem here where uh, we have people who say th- hateful or offensive things uh, and then based on their identity politics, one will get a massive monetary fine uh, and another will just get a slap on the wrist or ignored. Um, and it's, there's, there's no consistency and it's exactly as you say, because it, it, it becomes so difficult to decide what is truly offensive, what is, uh, what is problematic speech, to use that, that terrible word. Or, or, or what, or, or what hate speech is, right? So for example, right. for example, Chadwick, we had a woman, uh, a, a white elderly woman's call a bunch of black people on the beach monkeys for littering. Um, she was hauled to the, the kangaroo court known as the Human Rights Commission. She was fined 150,000 rand, which is about $11,000 or so, within, wow. with, within six months of, of her alleged uh, Facebook post. We have another guy, a trade unionist, who said uh, about Jews, um, he said, the Palestinians will come and we will take the land back for them from you Jews or something to that effect. Nine years in the court, and all he had was he had to apologize to the Jewish Board of Deputies or whatever the case might be. Uh, so you can see the difference immediately. And this is by the same the same commission, of course. So the, yeah. the, the difference in, in A, punishment, and two, just the, the, the length of time uh, for, for the so-called punishment to – or the verdicts to come out, it, it shows a deeply, deeply variable and, and very partial – uh, justice administration. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, you, you, and it's 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 terrifying. We should all be against this. I mean, in this country, we have a First Amendment, and and our First Amendment yeah. is the envy of the world. And um, and we have people on the left, the far left, and and who are backed up and supported by the media, but by, by corporations like CNN, that openly are advocating for the dismantling of the First Amendment. Um, it'll never happen. It will never happen in this country. I can promise you that. And that's why I think that we are, are sort of the beacon of the West if now more than ever. I think these hate speech laws, these, these things we see happening in your country and happening in, in Europe and in Canada, um, uh, they, they're terrifying. And, and I think most normal people see how, um, how against Western values they are. Well, you know, thank God we have this in our constitution. Well, I mean, I would, country. I would suggest that only 
when, okay, when you define normal, obviously you, you're making a, a general statement, but you'll be surprised how much support they have, um, especially in our country. Just really? D- depending on who the perpetrator is, you'll be very surprised. Uh, people where are very, do you see the support? Say again? Where, where do you see the support? Uh, on Twitter. On Twitter and in uh, journalism, in uh, opinion columns in newspapers um yeah our, our mainstream media cannot understand what the problem is with hate speech laws uh, uh the uh, uh, i'm sure you rem- recall uh, a couple of months back the huffington post published a blog uh, which said that uh, white men should be denied uh, the vote essentially <laughs> yeah. um, for all the bad stuff they'd done it, it went viral that it, it was the south african uh, wing of the huffington post that published that uh, and subsequently, it turned out to be a bit of a SoCal affair because uh, the guy that – it was submitted from what was supposedly a woman uh, by the name of Shelley Garland, uh, which was a pseudonym that a guy had used. It was a guy that was just fed up with political correctness and, and identity politics. So he basically dressed up in a wig – uh, and, and wrote, and wrote this piece about this most ridiculous piece. Um, but it, it, it didn't play as ridiculous of coming off the Huffington Post or a, that type of site, you know, the Huffington Post, the salons, etc., in which he basically said, look, white people have done all the bad things. The wars are because of white people. Death well, is white, because white of white men, people. White, they, men. white men. Slavery, etc., etc. And so it's only reasonable that we just take the vote away from them, at least for a period of time, uh, to sort of reset. Um, and, and they published it, but, but then what happened was, uh, they published it and then, uh, after two days, they started, people started going, is this kind of like real? What's happening here? And the, the editor of that, of the Huffington Post in South Africa, uh, came out and, and wrote a defense of the piece, uh, stating that it was pretty standard feminist theory. I quote, um, um, and about 24 hours, he's right. (laughs) And about 24 hours after that, uh, she, she then, uh, they then removed the post completely. Once the person who had written it came forward and said, uh, Hey, this is actually, I wrote this almost as a joke. I didn't think it would ever get published and you idiots published it. By that point, it had, you know, gone viral worldwide. I think they had had 40,000 shares on Facebook and and that type of stuff. Um, but that, that then gets, got reported to our press ombudsman who then said, no, well, this is, this is hate speech and, and this is, uh, you know, kind of unacceptable. And this is the problem. The, the, the lines are so blurred that that ruling has subsequently, thank goodness, been overturned because we, we, we're free speech absolutists, so we think you can pretty much say anything you like unless you're directing people to, act, to, to imminent violence. Um, but, but th- this is the problem with, with these, these rules and these laws, and they, they're so pernicious, uh, and the identity politics are seeping into our, our everyday sort of culture and, and life. In, in that ruling, uh, Ramon was actually in the sort of court, so to speak. Yeah, at the um, hearing, yes. The, 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 the judges or the, the panel, uh, had lots to say about how um, it might be reasonable to say these things about white men because, well, after all, the, what the article said, which was complete uh, fabrication, <laughs> it was a, it, it was um, 
Yeah, I'm losing my words. Well, well, the advocate for the editor stated that well, white men, you know, did create uh, slavery, and uh, and they did uh, create which they didn't. No, which of course they didn't. Which they and then they created colonialism. And they then, en- they ended slavery. But well, yeah. well, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story, Chadwick, yeah. please. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and the fact that they had so much power in South Africa. Um, Shows that they should actually be criticized far more than other groups. That was the argument made by an advocate in a court of law. Yeah. It, 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 well, what is South Africa like? Five percent white or something? Yeah, in that region. At top, yeah. top end is seven to eight percent. Seven to eight percent white. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, well, for, well first of all, I, I do remember that story. I had actually totally forgotten that it was a troll. But you guys know, like, the history of the Huffington Post. Like, it was founded as a troll. Yes. It was founded it by was a conservative uh, website. Yeah, yeah. It was basically like, I want to just create a platform where lefties can be as loony as possible, and they feel safe being as loony as possible, and then the world can just see how fucking loony they are. Uh, that was Andrew Breitbart. That's why he set up Huffington Post. And it works, except I think that... Um, <laughs> they take it seriously. Like that. Yeah, they take it seriously. Exactly. <laughs> and now somehow they've, they've entered the mainstream. They're, they're free to be as honest as they want to. Um, but it, it's... Uh, I, I'd forgotten that that person was South African who wrote that. That's... Um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's mind-boggling that, that uh, people across the West... Don't value speech. Don't they don't value they don't they don't see how uh, destructive this is. Um, and, I, and I don't know enough about sort of the day to day of South African politics, but I know enough that that of, of at least Europe that it looks like. I mean, these the, I don't know how close it is there, but um, these are like I think they're just people who just are accustomed to authoritarianism. They just need it. They just love it. They can't help themselves. I don't know what it is. I don't. I, it, it boggles the minds. Um, well, Euro- Europeans have been lulled into a sense of belief that the government is their parent, essentially, and without their parent, they wouldn't know what to do. A lot of people, I think, have that sense. They they live in a they live in a world in which they feel like they're children inside a house, and when mom and dad leave the house, they they, they don't know what would happen if mom and dad are both gone. And there's no one to look after them. Who will feed them? Who will look after them? Uh, you know, who will take them to school? The, all these things just can't happen without a, 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 an authority. And, and so when mom and dad say things that, you know, you might not agree with, well, it's probably for, for the best because mom and dad know best. And I, I think that's the kind of relationship a lot of people seem to have with their governments, which is very dangerous. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think you're absolutely right. And that's a really good analogy. Um, I, I, and, and, and also I think that's why it's so hard for a lot of people in, in other Western countries to understand Trumpism because they don't like, like most, like, I, I mean, I can talk about Britain because I used to live there, but like, and I have a lot, of, well, I used to have a lot of friends there. They don't talk to me anymore, but, um, <laughs> they, uh, like they don't even understand what a libertarian is. Uh, yeah. they don't like libertarianism is a, a totally foreign concept like maybe they think they do like oh they think it's an anarchist yeah um well the right the right in britain is 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 left and the left is far left that's what i've always said is that that hillary clinton is a tory (laughs) like the 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 as far right as they go in britain is hillary clinton basically that's Theresa may 
Um, yeah, so they don't um, uh, it, it's it, it's a good reason to be patriotic as an American mm. um, and waking up to this stuff. You know, as someone who years ago would be like, oh, we should be more like Europe. We should have universal uh, socialized health care. We should have these things. Europe's much better. Now it's like, no, we are we're, we're on to something different here still. We're on something new here still from the rest of the world. Um Thank right. God. And that brings us to Trump. So I like Trump for a variety of reasons. Number one, he is deconstructing the, uh, the myth of like this, this wonderful efficient state, right? So this, yeah. You know, this, this wonderful omniscient, omnipresent, uh, state, uh, in that, that are protecting us from terrorism and all that sort of shit, right? Number two, he doesn't care. And number three, um, what is it? No, well, well, probably the God complex of, 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 of politicians in the presidency. Oh, right, and no, no, no. And, and, yeah, okay, that was number one. Number three, he is exposing <laughs> the, hypocr- <laughs> the hypocrisy of the fourth estate. Of, so, you know, the media, so to speak. I don't think he's, yeah. I don't think he's the savior, like maybe that youth might believe him to be, but I think he's a very necessary, uh, step to have to not maybe reset Washington DC or politics, so to speak, but for people to realize that you know what? We both win if the president has far less power, left and the right. Then we don't give a shit, really, who becomes president. We just give him less power. Um, but for you, what is of significance in uh, – what do you see of significance in Trump? It's, it's essentially everything you just said, um, especially – Exposing the hypocrisy of the fourth estate. I think that's the most powerful. I mean, yeah, you can say Trump's an imperfect vessel, uh, which he, he maybe he is, or maybe he is the perfect vessel because he is so, um, he, he, he's exposing so much hypocrisy in our culture. Um, and, and to reference Andrew Breitbart again, like, like Breitbart said, is that all politics is downstream from culture. I think that the, the biggest battle we're fighting right now in this country is cultural. It's it's waking people up to the it, you know it's not like negotiating you know renegotiating NAFTA or whatever it's it's sort of waking people up to who has the power who has the control and how they're lying to everyone and uh, Trump is such, is such a great vehicle for that I've always said that that anti-Trumpism even when I was sort of I didn't want him to win because I just thought he was an experience I didn't really understand what was going on I never hated him. Because I knew that I liked his supporters because I've always known these people. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm from Tennessee and I grew up in the Midwest and the South. And like, I'm always like, I know these people aren't racist. I know they're not evil. I, you know, I, at the time I did sort of think they were stupid. Now I know, now I know that's, it's the opposite. Um, I think that he, uh, I lost my train of thought. I think that he, um, no, no, no uh, problem in terms of he's, 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 I, I think, oh, oh, I, yeah. 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 No, I was going to say that. I've always said that anti-Trumpism is, is classism through and through. It's it's total classism d- disguised as it's the elite standing up, pretending to stand up for the little guy, and mm. the little guy won this time, and they're losing their goddamn minds. Yeah. So they can't handle it. I, I just want to. You mentioned it a little bit earlier. We've, we've alluded to the East West Coast and it seems like, and you know, you talked about the tech companies in Silicon Valley. It, it seems that essentially you've got the, the East Coast, New York, 
Boston, etc., uh, and then basically California. Uh, and those are the two central democratic hubs. If you look at that map kind of thing, that's who, where Hillary pretty much won, uh, where Democrats do really, really well. Uh, and then you've got the middle of America and you're a hundred percent correct. There's, there's, there's certainly some sort of class struggle. I, I'm not even convinced there's a class struggle necessarily because there are wealthy people in middle America as well as poor people. And the same applies to California. There are poor people there too. Um, so I, I, I always find that a bit of a strange, um, view that, that people think themselves better than, than one or the other. Um, and and that seems to be that seems to be a big a big struggle going on between those two. How do you how do you do you see any reconciliation in that in in people eventually going okay you know these are Americans and uh, they're also people and they're not all idiots and uh, they they also want what's best for their families and it's not necessarily they don't all want to achieve that or not even a majority want to achieve that through racism and and bigotry. I think that um, I don't know. If, I don't know if we'll ever see a reconciliation. I mean, we've had a culture war in this country for the last, you know, since at least the 1960s, if not before. Yeah, I would argue um, the 30s when you when we, the Marxists yeah. invaded you. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, yeah. The, the the Frankfurt School. At Yale. Um, yeah. But I think. Columbia, um, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I think I think it'll come to I think it'll come to like we saw in the 90s. It'll come to. Uh, and actually in the Clinton nineties, um, w- which is, 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 um, more, uh, just more peace, more understanding. I think there'll be peace and prosperity. We'll see in maybe, maybe not in Trump's eight years, maybe just afterwards mm. that people are just going to get tired of this outrage. People are outraged right now. They're, they're, you know, there's, there's these witch hunts that are going on. I think that people are just going to suddenly, the culture is going to suddenly say, oh, yeah, I guess we don't have 63 million Klansmen <laughs> who voted for Donald Trump for president. Maybe they're not so bad. I think I think we will have a period of, of, of that'll be peace. that'll I, be during I, I the presidency of the of the rock, of course. That will be during uh, uh, or Bannon. Yeah. Bannon 2024. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Bannon's uh, going to make 2024, if I'm honest. Well, <laughs> Fingers crossed. But, um, <laughs> uh, I, I think it, it has to come to that because that's just sort of the nature of how um, politics moves and society moves. I mean, at least the, the, what we've sort of seen in, in recent yeah. history. Look, you, you're quite optimistic. I, I, would, I would hope that that is the case. You, you, you know, a de-escalation, people calm down a little bit, uh, realize that not not every single person who doesn't think exactly like them is their enemy. Um, but my last thing from me is I just a little bit of self criticism perhaps uh of the right in the United States so we've seen uh groups on the right in response really to the social justice left uh, acting like the social justice left so shutting down shutting down um plays shakespeare plays in in in, yep. in central park uh, which is against the first amendment uh and and really acting Exactly like the social justice left, which is a little bit concerning. There's obviously the rise of, I, and I, I don't want to overstate it because I, I agree with you. 63 million people are not Klansmen. I, I don't know what the figure actually is, but it's an infinitesimally small number of people in the United States identify themselves as part of the KKK, for example. Um, 6,000. 
sorry, it's at six thousand. Ooh, and at that time we lose we lose the feed. Can can you hear me? Oh, sorry. Yeah, are you there? Yeah, got you. So it's six thousand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, the number is six thousand out of three hundred thirty million. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's, it, it's, it's so ridiculously irrelevant. Those people are so ridiculous. Right. They, I mean, they can drive their cars to a rally and, and yes, if you film a few thousand people in the street or a thousand people in the street, it looks like a whole bunch of people. But in the, in the, in the, in the context of the country, it's, it's, it's very small. And I would say the same about Antifa. So, you know, you've got the, this other group and I agreed with Trump when he said there was violence on both sides. I didn't think that was a, a wrong thing to say. Um, there certainly was violence on both sides in that, in that, um, Charlottesville issue. Um, uh, the, the, but Antifa, I think, are also relatively small. I, I don't think that they're in the in the in the tens of thousands. Even I think they're also a small group, like like the clan side of things. Um, so how do you how do we? Because it's kind of in some respect on our side to to clean up shop. You know, so, so the, right. the, the, the left needs to sort out Antifa and they need to stop the New York Times publishing an article praising communism every three days. Um, that's <laughs> their job. Um, and perhaps on our side, we should be going, all right, we believe in free speech. So you don't shut down stuff you don't agree with just because you don't agree with it. And we should be condemning white nationalists marching in the street because white nationalists are not acceptable. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Well, yes, we should. Well, no, we should. Well, two two points. First of all, we sure. should we should be con, we should be condemning white nationalist views, and we do. Yes. Everyone in this country does. Uh, we shouldn't be condemning their right to march. In the no, street. absolutely not. I don't want to take away their right to march. Yeah. I'm just yeah. I'm yeah. just saying we I should mean, say yeah. you're you're a bunch of idiots and when they do march. Yeah. Like I don't even know what, I don't even know what white nationalism is. I don't, it doesn't exist. Like we said, it's like there's like six thousand people in this country who are official KKK members. And basically, like, you know, sad, mentally ill people who are reading, you know, websites in, in, in their basement every day in their underwear. Um, but to your point earlier about, um, about for example, the, the Central Park, uh, the Julius Caesar play. Well, those those people, and I know those people who did that, sure. um, they, they didn't shut it down. Okay. They um, and, and I'm not even just standing up for them because I know them. No, I, no, I'm uh, saying, I'm, from, go from ahead. a cultural perspective, yeah, they, they didn't shut – they didn't shut down the play. First of all, the play ran for an entire week before there's any interference. And basically you had about 30 seconds of uh, – on two nights, you had about 30 seconds of, of, uh, of Trump supporters rushing the stage and just saying, you know, you people are sick and stop glorifying political violence. And then they were ushered off and the play continued. Okay. That is very different than, say, what happened to Milo Yiannopoulos at Berkeley where they burned down the campus and he wasn't even able to speak. Yes. You know, and uh, that's what the left does. Sure. The left shuts it down. I've not seen anyone on the right do that. And, 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 that, and that example about Central Park, about Julius Caesar. Yes. That wasn't, sh- that wasn't shutting it down. It was there a protest. Of, yeah. And, and there weren't even protests outside. There weren't people outside with signs or whatever. It was individuals who rushed the stage at the end of the show's run. Um, just saying, I, you know, now I'm going to say something in support of Trump and you people are sick for watching this. I think that's fantastic, and I don't think I, – I, I know a lot of people on the right were condemning that for the, for, and for the reasons that you had mentioned, mm-hmm. um, sort of it's taking the social justice approach. Yeah. Well, you know, that's – to me, that is uh, winning in culture because that got the news. The, the, the right stays out as until Trump 
has really in living memory has stayed out of culture, the cultural battles. Yes. And that's why they lose. Yes. And that's why that, that's why the media and Hollywood and everyone's controlled by the left. And so now we see this young, energized, um, uh, uh, people who are, who are, are, are actually winning in culture, especially on the internet. You know, we, mm. we won the meat wars, <laughs> but look at the, I just, he, he will just not saw, divide us. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just saw a book on Amazon that I just bought actually. Cause I want to review it. Um, called, uh, yes, yes, we can meme. <laughs> for, it's, a, it's a, it's a progressive guide to, you know, fighting the meme war. <laughs> it's so funny. Because, because <laughs> the left can't meme. So now they're making books on how to meme literally. That, exactly, and, and yes, we can meme. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, so the the right is now is gaining grounds in culture, and 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 um and and we're not trying to shut down speech. The 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 Central Park incidents weren't trying to shut down speech. They were just, I want thirty seconds to have a say, and then you know, ushered off and sent to jail. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's winning in culture, and 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 there are a lot of establishment, sort of, you know, very uh, capital P principled conservatives in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them are in Congress, who um, hate that for whatever reason. I don't know why. I think they're also mentally ill. Probably have control issues, but um, uh, I think it's wonderful. And 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 honestly, I mean, one of the big questions I have that I don't know is how successful the new right is going to be in the culture war. Like, I don't know in 20 years if, if Hollywood is going to be producing, you know, movies with libertarian bents. Um, I think it'd be wonderful. I don't see it happening, but it, that, that's sort of one of the things that, that yeah. I think about a lot. Although just on Hollywood quickly, because you brought it up. The, the thing is, is that Hollywood tries to produce stuff with sort of American liberal bents and, it often fails because the market does speak. So you, you look at, um, I mean, Wonder Woman's a great example because they didn't really, they thought that they were going to push a, some big feminist narrative there, but it wasn't really there. Uh, mm. you, firstly, there was a big problem with the lead because, well, she's Israeli. So, so that was just, you know, starting poisoning the she's well not. before you even start. Um, <laughs> but, but she doesn't fit into the criteria. She, I mean, she should have by rights been some sort of cross Sudanese, Palestinian, Syrian refugee, uh, who, 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 who's transgender. Absolutely. And then, <laughs> and then just maybe she, she would have been good enough. But, but, you know, they, they, even when they try, the reality is is that the market likes entertainment. If it's entertaining, they'll buy into it, and if they, it's not, they won't. I agree that they do influence uh, uh, so, sort of more uh, subtextual parts of, of of entertainment. There's no doubt about that, and and there's often stuff in in film and television which you kind of look at and you go, "Oh, you're trying to make me believe in socialism." I can feel it, uh, <laughs> um, and I, I, I get that. I get that 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 exists there, but I do think that that people people instinctively buy into what sounds correct versus what just propaganda being sold to them. Do you think? I, do you think I'm mistaken there? I don't think most people think about politics as much as perhaps you know you two and I do. Um, and which is a good thing. They shouldn't have to. And God knows I don't want to live in a world where everyone is as obsessed with these things as we are. <laughs> that would be a horrible place to live. Um, I, but 
I, I don't know. I mean, I think I think most people can just enjoy a movie, and hmm. you know, even like a right a right winger, you know, can just sit down and enjoy a movie and not really look at it for the sort of pro-socialist context that we might see sure, in it. Sure. Um, one thing, I mean, one thing that's driving me, I mean, even when I was a lefty, it drove me insane, left identified. Uh, it, it drove me insane um, how every TV show has a gay narrative. You know, like that shit drives me crazy. I don't understand why every TV show has to have a fucking gay storyline. Um, well, they're, they're placating gay people because they 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 don't know how to deal with the issue. <laughs> it's right, and, you know, it's and it's, to be honest, it's yeah, insulting. I, actually, it's like it's it's the same yeah. as putting a black person in for the sake of putting a black person. It's it's, it's racist. It's the exact same as every black person in the movie has to have like a mm-hmm, you go girl, you know, like sort of stereotypical like storyline. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's it's so racist. But I also don't think that we're dealing with incredibly intelligent people here. Like these people who are making these decisions, just my, just my anecdotal experience. I've never worked in Hollywood, but um, uh, I don't think that they're the brightest people. I think that they're just following whatever they're supposed to follow, whatever twins are supposed to follow and just make it, okay, no, now we need to put a gay person in, now let's put a tranny, now we need a black and now we need this. Um, I don't necessarily, and I, and, 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 there, you know, people are just going to watch what's on television. People are going to go to the movies because you know there's this huge marketing machine behind it. Um, I think you're right to point out that that if um, any movie that might have a sort of patriotic bent maybe doesn't do as well, but also maybe it's just being made by people who are liberals. I mean, I, I don't know what that. I don't, I, there's something to be had about. Uh, there's something to think about when it comes, especially to Hollywood and to culture, to as the as this sort of young, energized new right movement grows, it if it continues the way that it's continuing, they're gonna be forced to recognize that this is the new punk. This is the new counterculture. And so maybe that is going to, to twist the arm. Um Yeah. Well well in interest- theory it will I mean we've got what, Generation Z, which is essentially yeah. the first conservative youth generation since uh well, right. I, I don't know. Probably, probably for thirty or forty years. So, so it's years. It, who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who, who knows? Uh, Chad, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Uh, we we're gonna have to call it time time now, but uh, perhaps we we can do it again sometime. I, I would love to. It's a, it's been really great speaking with you. Thank you for having me on. And Chad, uh, where can our listeners uh, find you now? Uh, Twitter. <laughs> uh, uh, at Chadwick underscore more. You can find me on Twitter and I keep clips on my website, but I don't really keep that up much anymore. And just look out for my, my book. Sure. When's that coming out? I don't know yet because I'm so behind on my um, <laughs> submitting pages to my agent. <laughs> but, uh, but soon, soon. All right. Perfect. Thank you. Super. Well, enjoy the, the, the social justice warrior armpit of, uh, of the U S uh, the benefit of living in the U.S., you can actually live anywhere in like such a massive country. Go, go live with the Hicks. They're, they're, they're a lot more fun. Oh, wait, you, been, you grew up there. Sorry, I've been I've been thinking about that so much lately. And well, go uh, go you somewhere this, you can at least wear your mega hat because you can't wear it where you stay, can you? No, especially being white. I mean, I have like black and Latin friends in New York who wear their MAGA hats out, and they they get a pass a little bit. <laughs> but uh, I have blue eyes, so I definitely can't. Just, um, just go to but, just go to Wyoming. 
with the I've elk. been thinking a lot about it. I've been thinking. I, I'm so you know. I'm with sick the of New York. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's, there's a there's a coffee shop like ten feet from my apartment that I go to to work um, a lot, mm. <laughs> almost every day. And they it's the social just it's all these like fat blobby pink haired idiots with like you know Black Lives Matter stickers on their MacBooks and. Um, <laughs> And there's and there's a sign out front that says refugees are welcome here, which is like, like yeah, because you know there's like a <laughs> that's huge the first place they're coming. That's the first place they clear they're immigration. If if you can just get on that boat from Syria and then there's a coffee shop waiting Brooklyn, for you in Brooklyn. There's a coffee shop willing to take your money. <laughs> well, no, they're willing to hire you for less money than an American. That's why they're welcome. Well, <laughs> exactly. Yes, refugees, please apply. <laughs> That's the one. O- o- awesome, awesome. All right, Chad, Chad. Thanks, thanks a million. We will, uh, right, right. we'll be in touch. All right, thanks, guys. Yeah. Cheers, eh? Pleasure. All right, bye. Bye. Right. So uh, that was Chadwick Moore. Jesus, we shat on the media. I love a lot. Yeah, well, listen, our guests chat on the media a hell of a lot, but he's he's he took the brunt of of being part of the media and and not towing the line. Well, he was fired for writing a piece that he was asked to write, which is so and, so, and then so and then not not saying the right uh, thing, you know, wrong thing. So, but Jonathan, why don't imagine you get fired for performing an, a procedure which you were asked to perform at work? <laughs> it's like ab- absurd, yes, absolutely it absurd. Is, it you did quite. your job, so go get fucked because you, I don't know. Did it the wrong way? I don't know. Well, yes, but uh, one in one respect, it's it's okay. You know, the United States has the very lax labor laws, which actually makes it a quite a successful country in terms of employment. So, uh, hiring and firing, we can say they were idiots to do so, but it is their right. Oh, no, absolutely, but they asked them to do the thing. Yeah, yeah. That, no, what, no, I mean, what, it, it, that's what it's absurd. Absurd right. is the is the right word. Uh, right. So that's us for the week. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, you are welcome to leave a review on iTunes if that's your listening platform. Uh, we always appreciate it. Uh, and also subscribe to the show so you get a download of the show each week and listen to what we're doing. Also help support our numbers. Uh, if you would like to support us even further, we have a, a Patreon, Patreon account. Uh, I always screw that up for some reason. Patreon. Patreon account. And they uh, become patrons and on they, Patreon. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, so, so you're welcome to become a patron of the podcast. Uh, anywhere from $1 up to $10 a month. We really appreciate it. If you go for $10, you get a mug. Uh, and, uh, we just want to say thanks so much for listening. Find us on Twitter at Renegade underscore report. We'll catch you next time. Cheers. Bye. This is CliffCentral.com.